Hello from me as well. And for those of you online, it's such a privilege to be able to come and speak to you today uh, from God's Word. Some of you will remember that I've mentioned before how terrible I am with plants. Um, so much so that my mom and I would walk in plant shops and go, don't look, don't look, one look will kill them. Uh, we just really were not great, her and I, with plants. Uh, so recently I was given a beautiful orchid and it had the most incredible blossom and I was really careful, put it on my dining room table so that we could all see it and put um, kind of a block of ice on it each week as the instructions said. Uh, unfortunately, my track record kicked in again and slowly but surely it started to wilt and to kind of curl in on itself. It wasn't just the blossom, it was the whole plant. Um, so I, I decided, look, let me get it into the garden. So I placed it in the garden. I didn't have time to plant it. Um, and it got neglected there. Eventually one day I saw it was lying on its side and I was like, I'm gonna get to it, I'm gonna get to it. Um, but one day I walked past and I noticed this beautiful white bloom. This orchid had, had flowered regardless of my treatment because living things, given the right environment, they will grow. And it's the same with us on a spiritual level. It's natural and part of our spiritual life to grow. The Bible encourages us over and over again to mature, to grow up, and to become more and more like Jesus. And some of us as followers of Jesus are like that orchid in the garden. We are blooming and flourishing for Jesus no matter the circumstances. And others of us are, are like that orchid on my dining room table. And we're fading and we are stunted. But I wanna tell us all today, Jesus's desire is that we grow. So much so, on the night he was crucified, he, he gives a departing speech to his disciples. And in it, he speaks a lot about growth. And today I'm gonna read that passage and I'll ask you as followers of Jesus today to take careful note of what he says to you about your spiritual growth. So listen for the voice of Jesus. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And that brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments 
and remain in his love. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater than love than a laying down one's life for one's friends. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear, produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now that passage is so full of so many different things that I could probably preach till the end of today, but I will spare you. And we're just gonna focus on three principles about growth. Growth is gonna be our greater focus today. We will touch on care. But out of these verses, Jesus teaches us that we're destined to grow. He shows the secret to growth and he shows that growth is noticeable. So we're destined to grow. I hope that as I was reading, you were able in your mind to picture a fruitful grapevine. Because for Jesus' hearers in that time, a grapevine would have been as commonplace to the Cape Winelands folk. It was central to their very lifestyles. They would have known a lot about a vineyard. In the Old Testament, they also would have remembered that Israel was referred to as a vine. And this image of a vine was always one of fruitfulness because that's all a vine is actually useful for. Its wood doesn't even burn very well. And so Jesus uses this fruitful vine to show that growth is expected of those who follow him. And you can't bear fruit unless you're growing. And so he says in these passages, those who remain in me will produce much fruit. He says, when you produce much fruit, he says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Jesus expects growth. Elsewhere in scripture, we see that God speaks about growth of his followers. We're told to let our roots grow down into him. Let our lives be built up in him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Later, we're urged to yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up to salvation. And then in 2 Peter, we're told to make every effort to add to our faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and so on. And the word add shows that you're growing. You're growing in faith to goodness, to goodness, to knowledge. There's growth. So Christ intends for his followers to grow. We're destined for growth, called to grow, appointed to grow. And so I want us to pause and picture a growth chart, a spiritual growth chart, yourself standing next to it, and the lines are not millimeters or centimeters, but it's the character of Jesus, the nature of Jesus. Stand yourself next to it. Have you grown in reflecting Jesus more in perseverance, in being considerate, in getting slow to be angry, in practicing purity and justice, and compassion, peacefulness, generosity, and sharing the good news to those who are hopeless? Have you grown in being more like Jesus? Are you more like Jesus this week than you were last week, last month, last year? Or are you stuck? You're stuck in holding a grudge, 
in unresolved conflict, being envious of what others have, selfishness or racism, or lacking restraint around food and, and, and drink? Are you lazy? When you measure your spiritual growth, have you grown? Would your family members say that you've grown? Would your friends say that you've grown? And then let's measure our church's growth. Are our families, are our small groups, are our kids in kids ministry and youth ministry and young adults and seniors, are we reflecting Jesus more in growing in love for God, in love for each other, in love for the world? Is our church growing? Is God adding to our numbers daily like he did in the book of Acts? The great news is we shared recently that 32 young people came to know Jesus. Last week, 10 people came to know Jesus as a result of our services. God is adding to our number daily. And additions aren't simply people moving churches or swapping locations. Um, additions are people who come to know Jesus. It's exciting. Growth is happening. But I don't know about you. I, I sometimes get discouraged by my own growth, by growth in our church. I look at myself and I go, I'm still trapped in certain behaviors, certain thinking patterns. I'm not growing out of them. Or I get discouraged by, by seeing individuals stuck in unhealthy, unhelpful behaviors. Um, or becoming lukewarm in their love for God, in their love for, for God's people. And so I think, you know what, I've got to work harder and strive harder at growing myself and, and work harder at trying to grow other people. But I think I've missed Jesus' desire because Jesus says, learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we're destined to grow, but what is Jesus' secret to that growth? Well, Jesus tells us in this passage, it's by abiding in him. Our only role in growth is abiding in the true vine. And that word true, just as an aside, shows us that there are false vines. There are other people, there are other things, um, our own self-righteousness maybe to get right with God. Um, we could be trying to find nourishment in lies and error which don't bring about growth and life. And so if you've kind of measured your spiritual growth and said, I'm not growing, I wanna ask you, what are you attached to? Are you attached to a false vine? Reconnect to Jesus. Or perhaps you've never actually connected to Jesus, who is the life giver, the eternal life giver. I wanna encourage you, if that is the case, I'd love to chat to you more about coming to know Jesus. So Jesus tells us the way to grow is through abiding. But what is it, what is abide? Um, I, I battle with that word, I don't know about you. What do you picture? Um, I don't use it in, in everyday language, so I battle to understand what it means. And the Greek word meno didn't help me much either. But it means to remain, to stay, to continue or to reside which means two things for us when it comes to Jesus' request, abide in me. We need constant connection to Jesus and complete dependence on him. The vine and the branches gives that, that picture so beautifully, shows us the relationship Jesus is asking. 
how important connection and dependence are. Because a branch disconnected from the vine is able to do nothing. If you see a branch lying on the ground, usually it's dead or it's about to die. Failing to abide means growth and life also fail. We are destined to grow. But trying to strive to do it, trying to force work hard at it, that doesn't happen. But when we're connected, growth is inevitable. Growth is the natural outcome. And so Jesus says, stay constantly connected. Guys, deeply depend on me. He is the head. We are the body. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. This verse is again a great, connection, a great illustration of how important connection is. If my arm disconnects from my head, it is unable to fulfill its function of moving and helping the rest of the body. If it's totally disconnected from the, the, the body and the head, it will die. It's exactly the same for us. Colossians shows that disconnection from the head is possible. And so Jesus calls us to remain connected. So important. But how? How do we abide? How do we remain connected? And I think a great way of understanding that is looking at a relationship we're all familiar with. If you look at a, a married couple, how do they stay connected? How do they depend on each other? And I'm going to ask you to let me know. Say it loud. How does a married couple stay connected? Can't hear? Time together. It's so important. They communicate. They spend time together. They go on dates. Um, they laugh together. They cry together. They share life together. Uh, they even do those mundane chores. And God says, what do I require of you? I require that you walk humbly with me. When you're walking in step with someone, you can hear them. If you're rushing ahead or if you're lagging behind, you cannot hear them. God wants us to walk in step with him, remain connected to him by talking to him, by listening to him. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Basically, we abide through relationship. A couple who stop connecting, who stop spending time together, their relationship doesn't thrive, it doesn't grow. A couple who remain connected, keep depending on each other for their needs to be met, for communicating, they thrive and they grow. And so as you and I create space in our everyday lives to encounter Jesus, to get to know him in person, we will grow and we will mature. And Jesus invites us to talk to him through reading, the, uh, to talk to him as we pray and read the Bible, uh, as we worship as we spend time with other believers, as we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of us, um, as we stay connected to him, we fulfill these practices. But I think sometimes abiding practices can be very intimidating. Sometimes for me, I, I think, oh, I don't pray long enough. Uh, I'm not studying scripture deeply enough. Um, I'm not journaling often enough. Um, but I think that's moving again into striving, and I've got to tick a whole lot of boxes in connecting with God rather than abiding and just spending time with God and remaining connected. 
And as I was grappling with this, I remembered a picture on Facebook that Richard shared a couple of weeks ago. The Phipson family were praying in our chapel next door. And um, their son, uh, Micah, who communicates through sign languages, was abiding with his mom and dad and praying. The sign for Jesus is like that. But uh, Micah has made his own sign language in terms of connecting with Jesus. The cross and pointing upwards. And he is sitting there abiding. And I sensed Father God's heart just filled with pure joy. As Micah turns towards God, God turns towards Micah and meets him where he's at. It's the same with you and I. I don't, when I spend time with my kids say, well, they didn't thank me, and they didn't ask me, and they didn't this, and they didn't. I just love spending time with them. Father God just loves it when we turn towards him, and he also then turns towards us. And so our role is to abide, not strive, and we'll partner then with the Father who's the gardener. And it says he'll cut off branches in us that are ineffective and unproductive. This, um, another interpretation says that cutoff can be lift up, where the, the gardener lifts up branches that have become too heavy, and they can't on the ground be fruitful, and so he lifts them up, cleans them off, ties them to other branches so that they can be fruitful and effective. God, in his compassion, will use our circumstances and anything that he needs to to help us grow. He may use our difficulties or COVID-related challenges that you're going through or your struggles, your brokenness, your wounds, your sin. He'll clean you and prune you and heal you and renew you so that you can grow and be more fruitful and effective for his glory. So we partner with the Father, but then we also partner with Jesus who is the vine. We get our nutrients and our nourishments as we stay connected to Jesus, we depend on him because he says his divine power has given us everything, everything we need for a godly life. How? Through our knowledge of him. Through connection with him, relationship with him, we receive everything we need to grow. We don't have to force growth. It comes through Jesus. Just a, a, a little example from my own life. Um, I have mentioned before, I wake up in the middle of the night and I straight away start getting anxious thoughts. And so, so lately it was kind of like, okay, you wake up and I'm like, don't go there, don't go there. Oh, and then I've gone to that bad thought and that anxious thought and it spirals into all kinds of things. And I spend the whole night going, don't be anxious, go back to sleep, try. And I'm striving and nothing comes of it. But I've learned now to, as soon as I wake up, to seek to abide. I'll either choose an image of Jesus, um, call onto his lap, and just hold on to him, or I will pray prayers of thanksgiving or worship songs, or I'll take those anxieties and place it on him. And so often the fruit of that is sleep or peacefulness. And that brings me to the final point, is that growth is noticeable. There's fruit from our growth. I've been hugely surprised that as we came out of the hard lockdown uh, at children's growth, a baby was all of a sudden a toddler, 
uh, a young boy became this teenager with this deep voice. Um, and if you've, if you've measured your children's growth, you see that growth is noticeable. It's something very visual. And Jesus says the same about us. There'll be visible fruit from our growth. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And so what is the fruit that it produces? I think there, there's lots of fruit, but I want to focus on three. Uh, firstly, when a branch is attached to the vine, what is in the vine flows through into the branches. Its sap, its nutrients, its makeup, um, everything, its cells go into the branch from the vine. And so everything that Jesus is, his strength, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness flows from him into us. And so our fruit will be a Christ-like character. We will display the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We'll also display the nature of Jesus, his humility, his servant heart, um, his love for the poor and the outcast, his compassion, his justice. So if you're constantly angry, judgmental, unloving, impatient, fearful, unkind, maybe you need to, like my orchid, be placed into the light of his presence, depending on him, connecting to him, so that Christ-like fruit can come out in your life. The second fruit is we obey in love. Remember, what is in the vine flows out through the branches. Jesus loved. He is love. Jesus lovingly obeyed the Father in everything. And so as his disciples, we are told, when you obey my com commandments, you remain in my love. So obedience will be a fruit. In Jeremiah 2 verse 21, we see that Israel, when they're the fruitful vine, they're obeying. But when they're a vine that's wild or empty, it's as a result of disobedience. So if you're examining your life at the moment, there's no Christ-like fruit, uh, perhaps it's as a result of disobedience. Ask God to show you. Jesus tells us the greatest commandment that we're called to obey is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Jesus sums up for us that our life is to be one of love. Love towards God and love towards one another. We love God by obeying what he says in his word. Jesus emphasizes a command here, and I'm going to focus on this one to love one another. He emphasizes it twice. He says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. How did Jesus love? He died for us. This is the kind of love he's calling us to at Home Ground Church. This love, the sacrificial love, we wanna call it care. We're called to love each other sacrificially. We cannot claim to love God if we don't love one another. 
if you're holding a grudge against someone, if you're withholding love from somebody, do you really love God? Are you really connected to the vine? Because Jesus is love. I want to say that I think Homeground Church is really good at sacrificially loving and caring for one another. We do this as we provide meals for each other when there's a birth or a death. Uh, we do this when we fast and pray with someone whose family member's in a dark place. Uh, we do this when we meet with somebody who's weak and encourage them. We do this when we help people do a facelift on their home, on their kitchen, or their garden. We do this when we help people financially who've had cars stolen. I know Homeground Church is this kind of church because Richard and I have received this kind of sacrificial love on numerous occasions. Everything I've listed, and there's more, um, are what Richard and I personally have experienced. A couple of years ago, we lost both cars in a couple of months, and people in the church generously gave to us so that we could put money together and afford a new car. This is sacrificial love. And I've heard of it in so many other instances. Well done, Homeground Church. Let's keep it up. Let's keep loving one another sacrificially, demonstrating our love for God as we love one another. This is one of the fruits. Christ-like character, loving obedience as we love God and each other. And then fruit also implies multiplication. Every piece of fruit usually has seeds in it, and those seeds are intended to reproduce more fruit. If you're now connected to Jesus, his love for the lost will flow from him through us. We will urgently be seeking the lost. Jesus invites followers of his to go and make more disciples. I heard a story about a Ugandan pastor who was on a prayer walk, he was abiding, and on that prayer walk, God prompted him to go into the home of a witch doctor went into the home and spent three weeks talking to this man about Jesus on three different occasions. And um, it wasn't easy because he was quite afraid because the guy kept his witch doctoring practices going while he was meeting with him. But on week four, he invited his family members and his clients into his home and they began a discovery Bible study. That week began a disciple-making movement in that Ugandan slum. Drug addicts, drug pushers, prostitutes, the down and out began to study and hear about Jesus. In April 2018, there were 385 Discovery Bible studies. In May of that same year, there were 415. A year and a half later, 1,500. The last we heard, there were 2,000 groups, not people, groups in Uganda who as a result of that ordinary pastor's obedience and abiding, have come to know and are following Jesus. That's incredible. Imagine that pastor hadn't obeyed, hadn't abided, and hadn't gone. The lives wouldn't have been changed. Imagine my dad who introduced me to Jesus, had kept that seed to himself and hadn't told me. Imagine your family member or friend who told you about Jesus had kept that seed to themselves and hadn't told you. But they did. And we have a relationship with Jesus of hope, of peace, of joy. But we're called 
in these verses, we're called to not eat the seeds for ourselves, but to plant it in the lives of others. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Um, I love building sandcastles, but I get so discouraged when I spend hours and hours building something beautiful and one wave comes and just washes it all away. This isn't what the verse is talking about. So many of us spend hours of our time and energy and resources investing in things that are going to be washed away like a wave. Jesus is calling us to invest in things that won't get broken or stolen or fade, but will last into eternity. Sitting at my mom's funeral, I realized that everything on earth is just fluff. But investing in loving God and in loving people and helping them love God and love people so they can help others love God and love people, that lasts, not just in this age, but all the way into eternity. Imagine if 100 of us today in this building say, I'm going to take two people. I'm going to invest in them. Help them know Jesus. Help them abide in Jesus to such a point that they can then take two people. Help them know Jesus and abide in Jesus. And they can take two people. Somebody said to me after the first service that in 64 years we'll run out of people on the earth if that happens because of the multiplication principle of planting seeds. That excites me. I could preach a whole nother sermon on this topic, but I will stop. Guys, we are destined to grow. And the secret to that isn't our striving, but abiding. And there will be fruit. So stand again next to that growth chart, that spiritual growth chart. How are you doing? You know, um, when I had babies, you would take them to the nurse and measure their length and their weight and then plot it on a growth chart and keep going back. And if that growth chart started declining, I remember the nurse saying, ooh, there's something wrong here. You need to chat to the doctor. If we're not growing, but we're destined for growth, we need to evaluate our lives. If I'm not Christ-like, if I'm not lovingly obeying, if I'm not multiplying, I just want to touch again on the multiplying. Many mature believers get frustrated and say, you know, the church is no longer growing me. I'm frustrated with the church. I want to remind you, we've been focusing on the fact that this is us. We are the church. You're not the one who should just be growing. You should be investing your seeds in the lives of others and helping them know and abide in Jesus. My greatest growth has come as I disciple others to follow Jesus. And so look at yourself, recognize areas where growth isn't happening, where growth is stunted. And then we need to repent. Repent means we turn away from a behavior. That orchid needs to change its environment and get put in the garden. Repent from being disconnected from Jesus, not spending time with him, engaging with him, depending on him. Reconnect with Jesus, depend on him. Christ-like character, fruit will be evidenced in your life.
And don't be discouraged today if you feel like, you know, growth is slow in my life. Because it takes about three and a half years for a vine to grow. Just be connected. Depend on him. And growth will take place. The worship team are going to come up. And they're just going to create space for us to connect with God. To spend time with him as a couple would on a date. Through worship songs, through prayer. As they get ready, just quietly reflect on your relationship with God. How connected are you? How dependent are you? What needs to happen to increase that? Or perhaps that's all good. You now need to be praying about who God could help you invest in their life to grow. So use this time to connect with God.